Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, hopefully nobody has any uh, pumpkin spice holiday bazaar goodies, sugar, uh, what do you call it, uh, overload? Yes, I hope not. Uh, <clears throat> I must say that I uh, I did buy a uh, apple pie, and uh, also, too, I've contracted or commissioned a pecan tart to be made, and uh, so uh, I've been losing weight. It's been fantastic, but I'm now rewarding myself. <laughs> So once once a once a week or once a day or however long it takes, we will go through those. Once an hour. When I get home, when I get up. Anyway, so it was a great time. I'm red. I feel like I'm red anyway. Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar was absolutely phenomenal uh, this year. Uh, we had that a bunch of the young people over. Jake asked. Uh, the young people come over, and so uh, we were chatting, and Sharon said that last year she had written down that we made $2,600, and this year we made 3700 So uh, even in spite of COVID, uh, we really slam dunked it. So let's give it up for everybody that helped out. Woo! That was awesome. So this was not a 2020 pumpkin spice holiday bazaar. It was definitely great. So anyway, I got a bunch of uh, great notes of encouragement here. I'm excited about sharing. And so, Emma, if I could have your wonderful assistance, that would be fantastic. Uh, Evan, this one's for you, buddy. It says, you did such a great job helping everyone set up for the bazaar and then helping put the chairs and songbooks back yesterday. I love your great attitude and willingness to help. And he was an awesome helper. Let's give it up for Evan. Good job, man. He was a great part of the team and the family here. Mrs. Ewing, you are such a cool person. I love all the cool stuff you made for the Holiday Bazaar. All right, let's give it up for Holly. Yeah. All right. Tiffany, it's always an encouragement to me. To see your smiling face, and I would agree with that. Let's give it up for Tiffany. Woo! There we go. And uh, it was so fun to have Tiffany here yesterday with her with uh, her kids and her youngest daughter. And uh, it was so sweet to to do the pumpkin spice. What do you call it? The the walk, the cake walk. And uh, she won. It was so cute. It was great. Holly, you're the rock star this morning. Your beautiful voice is such a Joyous addition to our family. Woo! Get it for All right. I praise God for all those who helped make this year's Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar such a great success. I pray that the Lord will bless you, each one of you, as you have shared in helping the Lord's work through your uh, help with the Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar. So, here's another one. So grateful for all those who have helped with the Pumpkin Spice a Holiday Bazaar in, a, in any capacity. Many coats, boots, Christmas gifts, and food for the children in the October Sky Shelter will be purchased. And so uh, uh, they will have a great Christmas there this year. So that's awesome. Uh, it's sad that we can't deliver the, the presents like we have in years past, but it's still a blessing. Truman, what a great addition to Bible class. I kind of know probably who this is from. I can't wait to get to know you better. There you go. Good job, Truman. Woohoo! All right. Oh, here's a nice one. Emma, you are a sunny spot in you are a sunny spot of light in my life. There you go. Let's give it up for Emma. Woohoo! Ellie. Why are you smiling? <laughs> Ellie, thank you for being so attentive in Bible class. I love getting to know you. There you go. Great job. Let's give it up for Ellie. Nice. Very, very nice. All right. Now with the announcements really fast. Uh, again, we're meeting Monday nights with the college age group and uh, for dinner at uh, 545. And then we're going to have a little lesson after that. Also, too, tonight, by the way, just make sure tonight, it says in our bulletins to be assigned. Uh, we have assigned it to the building at 6 o'clock on Sunday evenings. So from now on until that changes, it's going to be at the building. 
And uh, tonight we're going to do a, a, a live feed on 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, it's an interesting, interesting study, a uh, controversial study. And so, uh, who knows, I might need a bodyguard in the preaching of that, that chapter. And so, anyway, I invite everybody, those who are online and those who would like to come out, that would be great. So, yes. Good, excellent. Thank you for that announcement. Uh, Jamie asked, if you have old magazines with really cool pictures and stuff in them, if you'd like to donate those magazines to her class, they do this really cool collage in regards to pictures, yeah, personalized showing who you are and stuff. So that's a neat activity. So if you have those, please uh, let Jamie know and get them, get them to her probably before next Sunday. Next couple of weeks. Okay, great. Excellent. All right. Uh, pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar goodies. If you didn't get your sugar fix yesterday, we got the sugar fix waiting for you right out that those doors in the entryway. And there's a little jar for money. And just look at the price, throw the money in the jar, and, and grab and go. All right. Uh, Wednesday nights uh, are going to be the Compton's house this month. And uh, please note, uh, the Pleasant Hill Church Christ Family Thanksgiving Dinner will be here on Wednesday the 18th, starting at 6. So let me say that again. The Pleasant Hill Church of Christ dinner, Thanksgiving dinner, will be here at the building on Wednesday the 18th, not at the Compton House. And, of course, Lady Studies on Thursday, right? And any other announcements I might have missed? Yes. <clears throat> Oh, really? I know Carly's going to get sung to today. But who else? Oh! That's great. That's great. Okay. <laughs> Heidi. I have two blondes in the audience. Heidi and, and Carly. That's great. Okay. On opposite ends of the room. This is great. So there you go. Happy birthday. You love you, lovely young ladies. It's great. And you would be called a diabuchka in, in Russian. Lovely young lady, diabuchka. So there you go. All right. Never call someone your age zhenzhny. That means old woman. I found that out the hard way. So there you go. There you go. So, so you diabuchkis would be you plural. So here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Woohoo! All right. All right. Okay, well, let's grab our lesson plans this morning and let's go ahead and jump right in. Let's take a look at Acts chapter 3. You know, that's where we have our anchor verse to finish up the series on the power of his presence. And so in Acts chapter 3, Let's begin there in verse 19. Let's read verse 19 and 20. It says, Therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus the Christ appointed for you. And also too, I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Galatians in chapter 2. Galatians in chapter 2, and there's a passage of scripture there I would, I'd like to read. And um, I'm just going to read the verse, Galatians 2.20, but then I want to read it in context. To read it in context to prepare ourselves for this morning's lesson. So Galatians in chapter 2 and verse 20, many, many of you have this memorized. It's a great passage uh, to memorize. And so it says here in verse 20, Galatians chapter 2, and verse 20, let's see if I can find my place here. There we go. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, the one who loved me and gave himself up for me. Let's pray. Holy God in heaven, we're so deeply thankful for the rich blessing of being your children. 
And Father, we don't really understand that fully, as it says in 1 John 3, and yet we will know fully face-to-face with you, for we'll be transformed into your beautiful, perfect glory. We're thankful for that. We're excited for that. And, and we walk by faith and not by sight, knowing that is truth. And so, Lord God in heaven, we pray that you would help us to, to grow our faith this morning. Really, we have been called uh, up to the fullness of the stature of the measure which belongs to Christ's faith in the book of Ephesians. And so I pray, dear Heavenly Father, that you would help us to grow in our faith, that we would be faithful, that we would trust you fully, and our lives would be such that you could trust us fully. Father, I ask that you help us to see the relational nature of faith, and that that relationship with you, a relationship based upon love and, and hope and, and uh, faith, really manifests itself in our lives to those around us, Father. We ask this in your Son's name, Jesus. Amen. Now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. You know that from 1 Corinthians in chapter 13, right? The greatest of these is love. Now, you know what the fruit of the Spirit is as well. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and on and on and on. And that's what actually the Holy Spirit in you actually produces. So when people see a patient person, if you're a Christian, they're seeing Christ Jesus. And I love how patient God is with me. And I hope you appreciate the fact that God is patient with you. And if we are going to be Christians bearing the name of Christ, I hope that we'll be patient with each other as we grow into that perfect Christ-likeness that we're called to. How many have ever had someone be patient with you when you do the same mistake over and over and over again? Anybody ever have that experience before? And you so appreciate the opportunity to get it figured out. And then finally when you get it figured out, it's like, oh, finally. But what would have happened if they would have cut you off at the knees at your first mistake? Not being patient. You know, it's important as parents, if we're going to teach our children anything, that we don't just tell them what to do, that we allow them to do it with a watchful eye. How many know to teach a child by telling them does not work as well as allowing them to participate? But how many of you know it takes a lot longer when you allow them to participate in doing what you're asking them to do. Can I get a show of hands on that one as well? And that's why they call patients long-suffering in many respects. And so, uh, parents, so thankful you suffered long. And uh, for those of you who haven't suffered long, you will if you have children. And so uh, we're thankful that God, as our Father, is so patient with us. And the power of our patience in people's lives, the power of our love, genuine love in people's lives the power of our joy in this life when life seems so hopeless around us really does have an impact on people's minds and hearts and my prayer is that we would see that in this series this series is devoted to looking at faith hope and love as well as joy and peace now there's many others but our year is running out And so uh, we will do as many of those amazing facets of love, beginning with patience, uh, so that people can see what we are to be for the world around us. And so with that, let's begin with point number one, understanding faith in and faith of Christ. There is a difference. I want to read the context now to Galatians 2 and verse 20. And going back to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, I want to start in verse 11. How many know that that, uh, Paul, face-to-face, publicly challenged Peter in moving away from God's grace into law-keeping, and it was going to destroy the church? Faith is not law-keeping. The law was designed by God to help people recognize they're in sin 
and they need a Savior. And that only faith in Christ is able to draw you into that relationship of salvation. And so Paul here is in Peter's face publicly. I mean, it would be terrifying to have someone stand up here and get in my face publicly. And yet if I'm teaching law, then that probably should happen because law kills. Faith gives life. And so that's the context. Take a look, verse 11. But when Cephas, or Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself uh, uh, aloof, uh, uh, fearing the party of the circumcision, the, the Jewish Christians. The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, Peter, in the presence of all, if you, being a Jew, live like the Gentiles and not like, like the Jews, how is it that you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? How is it that you're compelling people to live according to the standard of the law of Moses instead of by the faith of Christ. And so this law, and law, by the way, doesn't need to be the law of Moses. It can be a law that a church makes up. A church can have little church laws, whether spoken or unspoken. And it could come like this. You did what? That's crushing. We need to recognize and understand that faith is relationship, a relationship with God. God desires a relationship with us. And we're going to take a look at that relationship as based in love. When I say a man or a woman is faithful to his husband or wife, I'm talking they're faithful because they love them. With all their heart, they love them. And they'll be faithful in laying down their lives, in serving them. When a man or a woman is not faithful, they won't do that. They'll do what they want. That's called selfishness. That's called sin. And that's called destruction. But we're talking about faith. So we need to understand the context here of this faith in and faith of. Let's continue to read so we get the greater context. Look at verse 15. Paul continues. He says, We, speaking of himself and some of the others who were Jewish people but now converted to Christianity, we are Jews by nature, by birth, not sinners from among the Gentiles. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith, and notice it says in, but that's not in the Greek. It's the faith of Christ. We are justified by the faith of Christ. Even we who have believed in Jesus Christ. The we there is talking about the Jews. Even we Jews who have believed in Jesus Christ are justified by the faith of Christ. Go back and do the study and see if this is not so. So we all need to believe in Jesus Christ as Christ, as the prophet, as the priest, as the king preeminent as the Son of God, as the Lord of lords and King of kings. We must believe in Him and confess Him that He is sovereign and we are not. You know, Ben just said this morning that sometimes we think we have the control, but really, when we take the wheel, we end up messing things up. Jesus is the one who's sovereign. And we need to humble ourselves in, under His sovereignty. And so it's so important for us to recognize and understand then, brethren, as we're talking about this, this faith here is a choose to love Jesus first and foremost as our husband. So submission to Christ is an act of love. To obey Jesus Christ is an act of love. Remember what Jesus said? If you love me, you will what? Keep my commandments. If I ask my wife, please never cook, you know, tuna casserole. 
My wife loves me. I know she loves me. We've never had tuna casserole. Never will. Did you hear my wife? Never will. Do, do, is it because I make you do that? No. I know that there will never be the smell of tuna casserole in my house, ever. I know it. Why? Because my wife loves me. That's why. She's a faithful wife because she loves me. The question is, are we a faithful bride to Christ? Do we love him? We should serve him out of a deep and abiding love. That's what love really is. And so when we're talking about faith here, the faith of Christ, Jesus so loved the Father that he was willing to yield himself to the Father's will and not his own. He was willing to go to the cross because he knew that's what needed to be done because he loves his bride. That's faithfulness, brethren. That's not law. Now you might say, well, Jesus had to go to the cross. Well, I guess you could say that, but he chose to go to the cross and he chose to remain there out of love for us and a love for the Father. And I'm so thankful for that. And so, brethren, as we continue to take a look at this, understanding faith in Christ, yes, faith in Christ is true. We can must confess him as our Lord. We must confess him as king over our lives, as the prophet who can tell us and will always tell us the right thing to do. And we, if we love him, would receive that. And then finally, the, the understanding the faith of Christ. This is powerful. Take a look at the next section here in Galatians chapter 2 as he goes through it. He says here, in uh, verse 16, uh, once again, by just a little bit of review to get can finish. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through the faith of Christ Jesus, even we Jews in the context have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. But if while seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have also been found sinners, is Christ then a minister of sin? May it never be. For if I rebuild what I once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to Christ. Now, if that's confusing to you, it basically he's saying, if you started out in faith and received the Holy Spirit through the faith of Christ, being obedient in love to the gospel, and now you're trying to work out your salvation by good doing, you've missed the whole point. The power of faith and faithfulness is what should drive you to desire to do the right thing. Not because you have to, because you want to. If you're still living in a performance-based belief system, I'm sorry for you. I lived there for ages. Because if that's the case, you might be living in a performance-based marriage or a performance-based this or that. But it says it would be judged by our works. You know what works are? They're a manifestation of your love for God. That's what they are. They're a manifestation of your faith. It's the faith and it's the love that motivates the right doing. I don't want to ask any of you this question and raise your hand. I'm going to ask it, but don't raise your hand on this one. And this is for the guys. Has your wife ever talked to you before about things that needed to be done and you just did the polite nodding your head? Mm, sounds good, honey. And then later on you went, she asked me to do something. And I don't remember what it was. Now, I know I'm not the only one because I see some giggles going on here. Guttural laughs over here. I just, you know, it's like, uh-oh. You know, we listen to the Word of God. We should listen to the Word of God. That's why I always talk about don't read it, listen to it. And I have been learning, and again, my wife, you don't have to say anything, honey. That was a very nice response, though. It's true that we'll never have tuna casserole. But, you know, I've really been working hard at consistently shoving every distraction away when my wife talks with me. And even more than that, because could I shove my distractions away and still not listen to her? 
I mean, it's a nice gesture. <laughs> Turning away from my computer, you know, the deer out in my backyard. You know, I can, you know. But then the next step is, is to actually mentally process what she is saying and what she is asking. And it can go for the husband and the wife, just, you know, vice versa. Notice it's relational. I pray that your marriage relationship is based on love and faithfulness, not based on a sense of have to. That would be terrible. Well, let's look at point number Number two, by the way, I give you all the passages of Scripture in the New Testament that use the Greek, Christ's faith. That's how it's written, Christ's faith, possessive, Christ's faith. Now let's look at point number two, defining the saving faith of Christ. To walk in Christ's faith, we must own his convictions. The word faith there, the faith of Christ, is the Greek word pistis, and it's started with the word conviction faith at its base at its core is conviction what are your convictions what are your absolutes the sad thing is is that there doesn't seem to be any convictions anymore we can just kind of play with god's word and make it say what we want it to say but if i'm going to possess christ's convictions then I need to hold to what he held to. Let's look at some of the scriptures. I, I gave you a couple there in uh, the bottom there at the where the notes are. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 50. You know, Christ was absolutely convicted and convinced that he needed to go to the cross to pay for your sin and my sin. Look at uh, Psalms 50, or excuse me, Isaiah 50. Amazing passage of scripture speaking of who Christ was. There's a prophecy about who Christ was beginning there in verse 4. It's a great passage, but verse 6 and 7 are tremendous. Isaiah chapter 50 beginning in verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. There, there it is. Prophecy of Jesus listening to his father each morning. Verse 5, the Lord God has opened my ear and I was not dis disobedient, nor did I turn back. You see, Jesus as a, a beloved son, a faithful son, listened and followed what his father asked him to do. Verse 6, I, I gave my back to those who strike me, my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting. For the Lord God helps me, therefore I am not disgraced, therefore I have set my face like flint. I know that I will not be ashamed. That's a prophecy of Jesus Christ. That's a prophecy of Jesus Christ. His convictions were, I need to go to the cross to bear the sins of the world. That's the plan that my father and I made before the foundation of the world, and I'm an integral part, and I'm going to fulfill that. I love my father, and I know and trust him completely. I'm going to do what he asked me to do. Now, if you were listening to Ben, that was an excellent prayer meditation, by the way. Abraham absolutely knew. But you know, Isaac absolutely knew too. Isaac is a strapping young lad, and Abraham was a rather elderly dude. I think you're making a crack about my oldness, but that's okay. I still love you, man. You see, Abraham was definitely old. And Isaac, not so much. And yet, just as the son willingly yielded him, himself to the father's will, so Isaac was more than willing to be that sacrifice. Abraham had shared his faith with Isaac. We don't see a struggle there at all. We see the point where he was ready to plunge the knife in. And God stayed the day of execution. He didn't do that for his son, thank goodness. Otherwise, none of us would have any hope. Amen. And so it's important for us to recognize and understand there's power in the conviction of Jesus Christ. A conviction that our lives matter and our individual lives can change the lives of others if we will possess his convictions that our life does matter and people's salvation depend on my sacrifice of self 
to serve others. That's critically important. If we don't get that in our minds, then we're just going to go to church. By the way, going to church is nice, and I'm glad you're here. Hopefully you remembered the sacrifice of Jesus, because really what matters is what happens when you walk out that door. This is only a training center. This is not our religion, our faith. This is only a place to come and be encouraged and inspired by the word of God so that we'll go out and actually live to be that light in the world. Can I get an amen on that one? That's so critical. And the lesson that was brought this morning by Jeff and the lessons that were brought this morning for prayer and the Lord's Supper were phenomenal. And now we need to take it and we need to go out and we need to live it in a practical way in our homes, in our businesses, in our church relationships, and in our relationships in the community. Otherwise, we are just a bunch of pew sitters sitting honestly in a bunch of pewy religion that doesn't mean anything to God. Brethren, I don't want to beat that anymore, but let's go to the back page. Defining the saving faith. You know, trust is so critical. Trust is absolutely essential in a marriage relationship. Would you agree with that? If you didn't trust your spouse, you'd always have suspicions. And you'd always be holding back. Because you wouldn't know if they're going to be there tomorrow. That's a terrible thing. So it's important for us to be trustworthy, but more importantly, to know that Jesus Christ can be trusted in everything. His conviction is he trusted his father to go to the cross because he knew something was going to happen after the cross, didn't he? What? What was going to happen after the cross? And he knew it would, just like Abraham knew. What was it? That he'd be raised up and he'd be seated at the right hand and that he would then be able to give the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to everyone who was faithful in loving obedience to him. He was excited. And so he trusted. Take a look at Luke 22. Luke chapter 22. And you know this one very, very well. Uh, you know, many have used it before. It's a great passage. That's why it's so commonly used. And Luke uh, chapter uh, 22, verse 39 through 44. Take a look. What does Jesus say here? Luke chapter uh, 22. Beginning there, uh, let's see what I put down here. I don't, I don't want to misread this, 39 to 44. And he came out and proceeded as it was his custom to the Mount of Olives, and, and his disciples also followed him. When he arrived at that place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw away, and he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him and, and strengthening him, and being in agony, he was praying fervently, and sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. You see, we need to recognize and understand, you know what Jesus did at that moment? He trusted God so much, he says, okay, I understand what's coming, and I don't want to do it, but not my will, yours be done. In great trust, he knew what was going to happen, that God was going to deliver him. He knew that. You're saying, well, he knew that because he was God. You go back and study your scriptures carefully. Jesus had to grow in wisdom and knowledge like you and I. In other words, he had to get that understanding that God was going to raise him up. When he looked at, at Abraham, his father, Father Abraham, and he saw the faith of his father Abraham, he goes, you know what? That father did what was right, and my father will do what is right. Isaac did what his father called him to do in love and faithfulness, and I'm going to do what my father has called me to do in love and faithfulness. He trusted his father implicitly. Do you trust God implicitly? Do you allow the trials in your life to train you or do you moan and groan and complain and snivel and God, why may? That's not trust. That's not trust. Trust is, I know, God, that you have confidence in me and you've allowed me to experience this and you're going to help me to grow. Help me to make right choices here, Father. 
Now look at the next verse there. I think it's so important. 1 Peter 2, 23. You know this one. I'll just quote it to you. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that you might, what? Die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds you were healed. Jesus bore our sins in his body on the cross. That's the payment. He paid the price in his death on the cross. He did that knowing that without doing that, we would have no hope. How much love does he have for you? How much love does the Father have for you? He destroyed his son because of your sin. How much love is that? You would never give one of your daughters, Eric, to be sacrificed for someone who's a scumbag. And and I would think less of you if you did. You're saying, well, that's not very Christ-like. But when you're willing to serve the Lord and sacrifice the time with your daughters that may need to be there, you know what? You're sacrificing your daughters by serving the Lord. But you know what's really cool? Is you can do both. You can bring your daughters along in the sacrifice. That's what I've tried to do. As a family, we sacrifice together. It worked and it works. But we're called to sacrifice for Christ. Trusting Him, knowing that He'll provide. Finally, obedience. Take a look at the Gospel of John in chapter 14. Boy, I pray you'll listen to the Lord right here. Because many believe that faith is is law. I had a great Bible study. And someone said, I don't understand the difference between faith and law. If I have to do something based upon what the Bible says, well, that's law. This person could not get out of that mindset because sadly she grew up in a church where that was truth. Faith was law. So every time I heard said faith, she heard law. That's not what it is. Take a look at what Jesus says here. In John in chapter 14, beginning in verse 27, very important passage that we listen to what Jesus says here. 14 beginning in verse 27. He says, Peace I leave you with, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let uh, it be fearful. You have heard that I said to you, I go away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, and, and would have re- if you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. Notice he's talking about his imminent crucifixion, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. He's, he's believing what the Old Testament says. Reading on, it says here in verse 30, I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of the world is coming, and he, he has nothing in me. Now listen to verse 31. But so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Let me read that again. Did that really say what I heard it say? So that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Well, that sounds like law. What's the driver? Self-justification? Self-righteousness? Keeping yourself out of the fires of hell? No. Man, I love God. I want to please Him in every respect. Therefore, I'm going to listen to Him and do what He calls me to do. As a father, don't you love it when your sons and daughters do what you ask them to do with a cheerful attitude? Yes or no? No, I like it when they snivel, moan, and groan and complain. What? Of course you don't. You love it when they go, okay, Dad. And they go out and they get it done and they do it exactly like you'd like it done. And you're going, wow, this is awesome. That's exactly what Jesus did. If you need another reference, would you write down John chapter 12, verse 47 through the end of the chapter? He said nothing, nor did he do anything unless he heard it from his father. And you know why? Because he loved his dad. That's why. It wasn't because he had to. By the way, he didn't have to go to the cross to save you. But that was the plan. 
that he and his father has made. He chose the plan. Now let's get to the last point here. The last point, point number three, manifesting the faith of Christ. Manifesting his convictions. Oh, wait a minute. We can't go any further. I blew it. He became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Read Philippians 2. He became obedient, even obedient to the point of death on a cross. Are you willing to sacrifice yourself in obedience out of love for God? That's a great question. I hope you'll answer that. Yes, of course. So finally, number three. Point number three, and we'll go quick because it's very easy. What does the word manifest mean? The word manifest is an absolutely amazing word. The root word there, phanos or phanros, means to shine so that it can be seen. To manifest means to make visible. To manifest means to make apparent, to show forth. We're going to manifest Christ, it says. We're going to manifest the truth, it says, as Christians. So when people see you and hear you, they're actually seeing and hearing Christ. You know what's really sad? That hypocrites keep people out of the church of the living God. What are hypocrites? Tell me, what are hypocrites? People who tell you how to live your life, but they live like they want to live. They double standard. Why don't we listen to what Jesus says, do what Jesus says, and then when we say what Jesus says, people will see it in our lives. We'll know that they'll know we're the real deal. Here we go. Second Corinthians chapter two. And you know this one, you've heard this one, but it's so critical that we be reminded. As we start this series. 2 Corinthians in chapter 2 verses 14 through 17. The word manifest here. And I go. I invite you to go back and study it. There's a lot to it. But this is a beautiful passage. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of God. The knowledge of him I should say in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, an aroma from death to death, and to the other, an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? For we are not like many peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, being genuine and authentic, but as from God we speak in Christ in the sight of God. Aromas are powerful. Aromas are emotional. They will trigger an emotion. Aromas will trigger an emotion. When I go over the mountains and I go to Central Oregon and it rains and I smell the junipers, I immediately go, and the sage, I immediately go back to when I was a young man in college, my first two years in college, actually the first six years, because I would go back there and that was like home. I loved it. And you know when I go back there now, same exact thing. It's raining, and then the sun comes out, I roll my windows down. Man, you can't get any kind of air freshener like that. It's like, wow, and talk about my happy place comes because of the smell, right? But I went hunting. My last time hunting was uh, on a sunny day. Obviously, God did not give us very many uh, rainy days. On a sunny day, I was coming out of the mountains, and I smelled something. I remember Jeff telling me the smell of an elk. I can smell them. I go, I don't smell nothing. He goes, oh man, they're near. I don't smell nothing. Okay. And then Brian Bragg goes, I smell a buck. He's nearby. I go, I don't smell anything except your bad breath. I don't, I don't. Okay. But lo and behold, coming out of the mountains this last time, I was walking down. And was it you, Blake, that was with me? I think it was. And I went, I smell something. <laughs> Smells like an old nasty buck. <laughs> and I was so dog dead tired, and so was Blake. I'm not telling on you. We were both tired. We're gone. It, the wind was coming from behind us, so that dude was behind us. And I go, you know what? I'm not busting my honey through the brush for another seven hours trying to find that dog. He's smarter than we are. Right? Said something like that. So we just kept on hiking. 
That was not a nice smell. That was not a juniper smell, roll your windows down smell. That was one of those smells you roll your windows up and you put the air, con the air freshener on. Man, those things smell bad. Look, do you stink good or do you stink bad? It depends on your company. Because, you know, the aroma of life for those who are dead in their sins, it really bugs them. Because they recognize they're in the wrong place. But you know what? When you smell like Christ and there's others who are seeking truth, they're drawn to you. Look at 2 Corinthians in chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning there in, in uh, verse 2. We've, we've studied this before. It's such a great passage. We have renounced the things hidden because of shame. We've gotten all that stinky sin out of our life. Not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God. We don't, we don't make the word of God say what we want it to say. We just say what God says. But by the manifestation of truth, Jesus is the truth. Same word, manifestation of truth. We're commending ourselves to every man's conscience. People know somebody who's a fake Christian and who's not. You don't have to listen but just a little bit and they start talking and they're going to be sharing some pretty nasty, foul stuff. Now, if they're a Christian, they're a young Christian and you need to come alongside in patience and love and help them grow. Not cut them off at the knees like we talked about before. But if there's someone who's not yet a Christian, you need to listen more. And then when there's an opportunity, open up that conversation to draw them in because they trust you because you prove trustworthy as we talked about before. Finally, look at verse 10 and verse 11 of this same chapter. It says here in verse 10, always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus. He died to sin once for all that we might live to God. That's what it says in Romans. Always caring about the, the, in the body the dying of uh, of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. Our bodies are created to manifest the character of Christ, his patience, his love, his joy. Reading on in the next verse, verse 11, for we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life works in you. Let me close with this. I just got this concluding statement this morning as I was driving out here with Jake. Jake paid me a gigantic compliment. And it's because he loves me. He didn't even know he was complimenting me. But he said, he goes, you know, Dad, you know how you organize your time so that you can get these things done and you just kind of have them in you? even as an old man, they could still have them in you. Isn't that wild? He goes, I'm doing that now too, Dad. I did not force that boy to do that. I've not forced this young man to be concerned about other souls and pray for them, but he does because he asks me to pray for particular souls. I've not forced any of my sons, and I will not. That's not love. That's law. You know what law does? Law kills. But I'll love my sons, and I'll encourage my sons, and I'll give them the standard in my life, and I will never ask them to do something that I won't first do myself. Kind of sounds like someone else I know. Who's that? That's Christ. We must own his convictions. We must trust fully in God and his word. We must humble ourselves in obedience because we love him. Not because we have to, because we want to, because what he has done for us. Brethren, the world so desperately needs to see the love of Christ. The world so desperately needs to see, brethren, the faith of Christ and the hope that only Christ can give. And it can only come through us, his people. It's not going to come through anybody else. If you're putting your hope in, in Joe Biden or Donald Trump, I have news for you, and it's not good news, as you all well know. 
Brethren, I just pray that you're listening this morning. And this last series, how can we pierce the darkness? Just you, just me. It's through the power of the Christ who's in you. His presence refreshes and empowers. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you and praise you so very much for your presence in our lives. You know, the the evidence of what happened yesterday, what a beautiful experience and the amazing amount of sacrifice that went into that, that fundraiser for people that most will never ever meet. And yet one orphan is secure, her soul is secure in heaven because I'm thinking of my sister, our sister Anne. But there's others, Father, who will come. And it's because of the sacrifice, the Christ-likeness that was manifest yesterday. And in every day, we so oftentimes see it. And I just praise you and thank you for that. And I pray that you would help us to grow in our faith. And next week, I pray that we'll grow and hold in our hearts the hope that Jesus Christ absolutely had in his Father and the plan that they had made before the foundation of the world. Help us, Lord God, then to have your convictions, your assurances, trust, and your obedience out of love, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's stand and and, uh, get excited. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Now let's get excited. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. All right, let's go do it. Good job, guys. Excellent. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.